Welcome to the Tweed Couch Guitar Therapy Session, where we talk about all things guitar related. My name is Dr. T, and I am not a licensed therapist, but I play one on a podcast. Today on the Tweed Couch, we are counseling on music festivals, why you should go, and what to expect. I am a sucker for a good deal. Tickets to a popular concert with two to three bands cost anywhere from $30 in the back of a venue to $400 plus for decent floor seats. Then there's traffic, parking, crowds. If I'm going to go through the hassle, I want it to be worth my money and my time. As an artist, putting on your own tour, there are struggles too. Booking, promoting, setup teardown, rentals, food costs. It's not just walking out and playing. This is why I love music festivals. As a concert attendee or as a band, I get the best of all the worlds. But what makes a festival so different? Which ones should I go to? Are there any drawbacks? Why should you go and what should you expect? And what is the full story of how Dr. T got to play Don't Stop Believin' on stage with Jonathan Cain of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame band, Journey? Well, we will discuss this and more on this group therapy session with John on the Tweed Couch. Well, John, it is wonderful to have you back with us here on the couch. Thanks for joining us again for some group therapy. Man, it is so good to be back. Dr. T, I, uh, I love my time on the couch. I love hanging with y'all. But more importantly, I like listening to all 52 states that, that follow this podcast or whatever. <laughs> no, wait, is it? I, I, I have taken my personal yeah. mission to drive to Wyoming. Next time I'm driving through Wyoming, I will yes. download an episode just to take care of that one. But Yes, uh, and it's, it's crazy to me because Wyoming still has not answered the call funny enough jason actually posted something on another website and said can someone from wyoming please play this (laughs) (laughs) now there are like eight people in wyoming so don't we can't take it too personal that they haven't downloaded the podcast but uh yeah it it is now my personal mission to uh to make sure wyoming gets on the 50 states list so (laughs) you know it's crazy because district of columbia yes and puerto rico yes no Wyoming. No. And that is how you no. get to 52 states, right? Two, 52 right. Oh, U.S. Yeah. provinces or whatever. Yeah, you have to add that in. As... Maybe we'll start a festival in Wyoming, and That's then we can we download the podcast. Yeah. Speaking yes. of festivals. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love festivals. I've always loved them. I don't know what it is. Well, you know what? I take that back. I do know what it is. I am a sucker for a deal. That's what it is. When you go to a festival, oh yeah, you know, it's like if I wanted to go to a regular concert, I might see two to three bands and pay anywhere between a normal cover charge of like 10 bucks to get into a venue. Or if I want to see something like Keith Urban or Paul McCartney or John Mayer, and now all of a sudden I'm sitting somewhere around like six, 700 bucks if I want to be up close or 50, 60 to sit in the nosebleeds there's something about a festival in the fact that you get more bang for buck 
Yeah, I mean, where else can you go and get? I mean, even if you pay on the high end with VIP packages or whatever at most festivals, you know, even if you're paying four or five hundred dollars, I mean, it's like you said, it's the same price as getting a ticket to a concert, whether it's you know John Mayer or you know Paul McCartney or whoever. Yeah, and and yet you can get multiple days of talent. You can get multiple stages. You get all of yes. the things. Um, you know, I mean, there's people that I know at, at, at festivals that just hang out at even a side stage, right? Like I live in Wisconsin, so we have home of the largest festival ever called Summerfest. It's like yeah. 30 stages. It's everything from cover bar bands to some of the biggest talent out there. You know, Foo Fighters and everybody, they play all these big stages and things. Now, so, you have been a part of a number of different festivals, though, because it's not just Life Fest, because I want to be very clear. Yes, we are talking festivals with a festival director. So, yeah, there might be a little bit of a skew, but at the same time, you're probably one of the best people to talk about how awesome it is to go to a festival, why you should go, what you should expect, all that stuff. So it's not just Life Fest that you've been a part of. What other festivals have you been a part of? There's a lot of local festivals and county fairs. I, I would count those in festival season. Oh, um, yeah. That I have, you know, either done production at or played at or performed at. Also, I've had the 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 fortunate experience of working with a nationwide festival association that does 26 festivals throughout the country. I've been to most of them. Everything from one day, small events to other large, you know, multi-stage, multi-day uh, festivals. Um, you know, there, there's, there's camping, there's all, you know, if you think about it, every festival is different and they all have their own unique things, but you know, most of them have a camping option. Most of them have multiple mm-hmm. stages. Most of them have the food, right? Like don't even forget about food. There's funnel cakes oh, and deep yeah. fried Snickers bars and all that kind of stuff. Well, um, and one of the festivals that you're a part of is known as Bratfest. Oh yeah. I'm guessing they have... Cotton bratwurst. candy. <laughs> they oh, do bratwurst. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> now they do have can- cotton candy. Not a vegan that- festival. <laughs> Correct. They have all that all that fair food, but they do have. I mean, every type of bratwurst that you could think of, right? They actually set the record for the most brats ever consumed <laughs> in a day, or something like that. It's 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 pretty. Uh, yeah, it's pretty good. Um, and of course, this is in Wisconsin. It so. is in Wisconsin, so there's a lot of should cheese. be. I actually uh, used to help do help out with a, a cheese and sausage festival. Was the name of the festival cheese and sausage? <laughs> um, and it was brats, but it was also like venison sausage and like you know all kinds of stuff. Um, so good. And of course, you know cheeses of all kinds and whatnot. But you know what? <laughs> That's the sideshow. And I understand. I just yeah. made a whole lot of people in Wisconsin upset. But let's be honest. When you're comparing it to the venison and the cows and the turkeys and the everything, it's yeah. Cheese might just be something to make the other one taste a little bit better. It's yeah, awesome. and we, and and you know we we have all kinds of you know fairs and festivals. You know, there's Irish fests. I mean, these are nationwide, right? Like October October fests. I think the one thing that oh, links yeah. all of them together, though, is you know what what people on this you know podcast want to hear about which is music and uh all the different things that we you know guitar players get to do and be a part of but yeah i've been i've been all over the country i've been all over festivals and fairs um throughout my my illustrious career in the music industry but it's not necessarily (laughs) just as being like a director you've actually done it as a, a concert goer 
a musician, but you've also done it as production. Somebody bringing the system or the backline or whatever. Yeah, we've provided full PA systems. We've provided, um, you know, talent buying. We've provided, uh, I've gone as a goer. Um, and the other side of this too is I've, I've actually gone as management, you know, oh, we, yeah. we, we've got some talent that, that I've, I've done some road managing for some speakers and some artists that I've, I've done that side of things for, you know, we've even done obviously played. I mean, you know, I've played Bratfest. <laughs> it's a good yeah. time. Uh, you know, you see people out there, uh, you know, eating bratwurst and, and jamming along. So it's a good time. Yeah. Actually, that reminds me of that one time when you guys were trying to help someone figure out how to eat the most bratwurst in one go. And you actually stuck a bratwurst on a mic stand to uh, aid in it. Tell me about this. For reference, a bratwurst in a bun fits very nicely into a wireless microphone clip. Because <laughs> um, <laughs> it's a little bit wider. Why it, not? It's big enough. It kind of it goes right in there. Um, we had a guy uh, in a band. He was their bass player. Wait, what he, was the band? Do you remember? Uh, uh, Liebecker was the name of the band. Liebecker. That's right. And Dan, their bass player, was trying to... I don't know if it was an actual record, but I think it was just his personal best, maybe. Body weight in? Yeah, to try to eat the most bratwursts that weekend. And our buddy Jeremy was there from 100 White yep. Flags. Uh, and there was a couple other people that were kind of in on this whole thing, like, ah, man, I can take down 20 or whatever. And Dan was, he did he did end up winning the record. But we... Uh, he was he was his band was performing so we went and got a couple of brats and we we stuck one in a microphone clip and just set it out there in front of him so he had his vocal mic and then he had a bratwurst and so while he's playing he was eating eating bratwurst it was it was fairly I want entertaining. everyone to have this full image in their head because i remember seeing a video of this yeah and basically he would go up he's playing bass He's singing. He'd take a step back, look over at the bratwurst, and it was like he was calculating in his mind, when is the next time I have to sing something? And then he would go up, take a bite, eat. And I remember he wasn't quite done with the bite and then walked back up to the mic and started singing. Yeah, it was... Uh, they. They pl- so I think good. I think they played like once a day at that festival on our stage that we were running and... Yeah, it was it was fairly entertaining to see him and his bandmates go through it, and it's a four day festival. And by day four, you could just see he was just moving a little slower. wasn't quite <laughs> wasn't quite into this whole let's eat nothing but bratwurst for four days competition. And uh, even us on the crew, like it got it it it, it got hard because they that was catering, right? Like, oh yeah. So, so from an artist standpoint, like sauerkraut oh, you- or not, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> mustard or not <laughs> i'm gonna get the cheddar brat this time because i've been eating the regular brat all weekend you know yeah uh when you're there for one day at the festival it was like oh this is this is cool you know we get to eat brats and and, and hang out and by day four you're like i never need to see a bratwurst again so yeah that's right much like the chick-fil-a incident in tennessee uh, <laughs> that's true. That's true. Okay, for those that have no idea, um, basically we were in Nashville Life Fest. So or Life Fest, the Nashville version, because there's the Oshkosh version and the Nashville version that started last year in Bonagua, Tennessee, on Johnny Cash's farm. And we have catering show up, and the wonderful people at Chick-fil-A were sponsoring. 
And they went, we can give you food. We will give you food happily. And that food that they give you is basically all they know how to make. And that is chicken. A chicken sandwich. Yep. And that's it with two crucial pickles. Yep. And all the Chick-fil-A sauce you could possibly want. Um, Yeah, I pretty much just put that inside my water bottle and I just (laughs) drank Chick-fil-A all week long. Yeah. That's it. And and now we only had it for lunch. Well, actually, it was for breakfast too. They had the little chicken minis. Yeah, it was and breakfast stuff. and lunch. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, you were eat, basically eating a chicken sandwich every day for lunch. And uh, by day yeah. four or five, you started going, "Yeah, I I just want a salad." Or uh, yeah. we actually we actually went and got peanut butter and jelly. It was like just something. Because so, again, if you're there for the one day, you come in, you eat your chicken Chick Fil A for lunch, and we had barbecue most nights. So there's barbecue for supper, and then. You know, yeah. off you go. But when you're crewing an event and you're at an event every day, yep, catering can get a little monotonous when it's the same thing every day. You start making up things. It's kind of like when, <laughs> you know, like if you were in prison and you get the same thing over and over again and you're just like, you know what this is? This is a ribeye from, you know, and yeah. But, I don't know. You know, okay. So we talk a little bit about some of the things with festivals and that actually brings up my main reason why I love as a concert goer to go to festivals and it all stems from my first festival experience and my first festival I ever went to was Rockfest in 1997 and in 1997 it was at the Texas Motor Speedway and the people on the bill was like Bush, No Doubt, Collective Soul, Counting Crows, Matchbox 20, Jewel, Third Eye Blind, Sugar Ray, Paula Cole. I mean, I'm essentially naming the top 40s of, of the late 90s. <laughs> yeah, and, and they were all there. And oh my gosh, it was absolutely amazing. I still remember the people I was with the place I was at, and everything, and the beauty of it all, the tickets were free. You just had to find your spot to sit. And I loved it. And I went, I never would have become a Matchbox 20 fan had I not seen them live. I never would have become a Counting Crows fan had I not seen them live. And it's it's all of those things. Actually, Wallflowers was also there. That's another one. <laughs> Never would have become any kind of a Dylan fan, including Bob, had it not been for seeing the wallflowers and going, dang, that was good. I really liked that. So I think a lot of it for me is the reason why people need to go to some sort of a festival, whatever festival it is, a local festival, a big name festival, is just the fact that you don't even know what you're going to like until they have a chance to prove it. And I like that. I like seeing lots of bands. I like seeing getting the options to see lots of bands. Yeah, that's the that's one of the things that like like Broadfest has done uh really well that I enjoy is seeing a lot of variety, right? Like some festivals are like we're a rock festival, some festivals are a Christian music festival, some festivals are a country festival, whatever. But getting to go to some of those more like Labor Day weekend kind of party, you know, or Fourth of yeah. July festivals, um, those types yes. of things. I've seen a lot of those where they have an eclectic mix and you're able to kind of experience a lot of things. Cause much like you, I mean, it sounds like Rockfest just stole my CD wallet from 
and it just picked it's definitely my Spotify playlist. Yeah. Flip, flip <laughs> Still to this my... day. It actually ruined me. In 1997, this therapy has taken a huge turn. Really what it is, is it's an intervention on my CD wallet. Yeah. That's what it is. Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> my I, playlist. I, you know, there's a lot of stuff, man. I'll flip, I'll flip, I'll, I'll think back to like CDs that I had, like Ver, the Verve pipe. And yeah, I mean, that would have been around oh, 97 yes. too. And, we were only freshmen. <laughs> uh, yeah, man, I, I, you know, Spotify and Apple music and all those things have really kind of opened my eyes to like, oh my gosh, I totally forgot about the spin doctors, you know, pocket yes. full of kryptonite. Like, oh my gosh, that oh, album yeah, was so right. amazing. But thinking back now, I mean, you know, now you go to a festival or whether it's a cover band playing tunes that you're like, oh my gosh, I totally remember that song or I loved that tune. Um, I should go pick up, you know, the Wallflowers album again or yeah, whatever happened to Stone Temple Pilots, man. I mean, or, you know, oh, you well, go, yeah, I, yeah, I, I know what happened to was just Stone Scott Temple Pilots. Weil and but, he died, but other yeah. than that. <laughs> but, but what happened to my Stone Temple Pilots CD might be the... Oh, course, yeah. Of course, well, Hootie and the Blowfish. Oh, yeah. All of a sudden... Darius Rucker, he's a country guy. What what happened? Yeah. yeah. Well, there's more country festivals, I guess, or something. <laughs> yeah, uh, maybe. <laughs> more money in country than there is. Although, they didn't they reunite? Hootie reunited for something? I don't know. Anyway. They did a while back, and they did like a, a run of, of concerts. Colleges. As well as, yeah, as well as like uh, late night talk shows. Yeah. No. Uh, you know, hold my hand, man. That was... That was... Oh, seriously. <laughs> Just let her cry. Yeah, exactly. But like your experience going and getting to experience lots of things. I mean, I remember, you know, my dad took me to a country festival and I'm not a big country fan, but I remember going to Country USA. That was my first festival experience. Yeah. uh, Because my parents were big country music fans and it was like, oh my gosh, there's stuff everywhere. And there's all, you know, not to talk about the food again, but there was all kinds of food that was cool. And you could wander over to this tent and see a local band and you could wander over to this tent and all of a sudden there's a national act. And yeah. um, I remember one of the things that, you know, endeared me to the music industry was meeting at the time <laughs> national talent that I didn't know any better. They weren't huge, but they were national. Right. And they were playing in a band and right. I wanted to be a drummer and play in a band and um, getting to meet those people, especially those, those mid and smaller acts at festivals and fairs, you know, they, they, allow themselves to be accessed by the attendees, which sells their CDs and their shirts and all the stuff that puts gas in their tank. Yep. But you don't have that at a traditional concert. You, While they may come out to their merch table, there isn't just that hanging out atmosphere uh, that festivals have that, that allow you to just be with the, you know, be with the artists and the artists to be with the attendees. Yeah, very true. Very true. Because there is a number of different stages that require a different amount of security. Yep. You know, a grandstand where you've got this this larger band and everything, it's going to have a little bit more security. Whereas some of these smaller stages, I mean, you may be helping the person pull their amp off the stage or whatever, because they need to do a quick changeover. And that's, that's fun too. For those people who love to be a part of it and want to be a part of it. In all honesty, what a festival does is it puts you in a place where you can gain the experience you want. Do I want to gain an experience as a concert goer to just take in the big act? Or do I want to go as the concert goer to be someone who helps a little bit? 
Or maybe you're a person that goes, I could care less about the music. I'm more interested in the merch. Yeah. I just want to shop all day long because there's lots of that at bigger festivals. Yeah, I mean the cool, you know, get all the band T-shirts and and yeah, bracelets and wristbands and all that stuff, and you know, I collect think, them, share yeah, them, yeah, exactly. And there festivals that I've seen from a goer standpoint, there's communities that develop amongst the attendees. Yeah, you know, it's it's funny that I'm in this industry and I do a lot of production. I do a lot of you know, I, I, I direct festivals and run festivals and buy talent and do all these things. I am not a good festival attendee. I don't like big crowds. I don't like uh, nope. I don't like being kind of shoved into a crowd to watch a show. That's not an experience that I enjoy. Right. I like reserved seating shows like this is my chair and this is my space. Yeah. That being said, when those are options at a festival, I do jump on that. Like Summerfest, I mentioned that one in, you know, it's in Wisconsin. It's huge. At any given time, there's 10 bands playing and there there's 10 other stages that are changing over. I mean, it's literally that big. They have their main stage where you do get a reserved ticket. And that's, you know, I went there and saw Foo Fighters and I've seen... Gosh, just about everybody's played that festival. And um, I, I'll go and I'll like beeline to my seat in the main seating area. Yep. I don't personally, you know, again, like crowds and pushing and all that kind of stuff. But I will, you know, I'll go check out merch and that kind of stuff because I do know what it's like to be the, on the other end of that going, man, if I soil one more T-shirt, we're going to make it to the next town because we'll have enough money to fill our tank up in the van. Yeah. Obviously, you've been there back in the touring days. Yep. You oh, know, I remember it. It was, you have to work the crowd not only to grow your fan base, but to sell your merch and to sell your product. And um, well, and, and keep in mind as an artist, you also have this idea. And th- this is the reason why I would say as someone who played, trying to do concerts, trying to convince people that you were worth the money to come play at a venue. When you would go to do festivals as an artist, the beauty of it was you showed up and you played your stage. You did not have to set up your sound system. Yep. You did not have to worry about your amps getting up there. You did not have to worry about all that. You literally had to plug in, make sure you could hear everyone on stage, and then just do your best. And if someone gravitated towards that and loved it, it was like, oh my gosh, this is the best thing ever. You just created a fan that never would have come to a concert before. That's why bands need to do festivals. But at the same time, of course, there is the other side, which is you're probably not getting your normal pay. (laughs) Number one. Exactly. Yeah. And number two, you're probably not going to be able to get all the gear, all the stuff you usually have for your concert. If you have special lights and smoke and a special microphone and your specific rig that has to be there and it has like two marshals and a mesa and all this, you're probably not getting it. But at the same time, you probably didn't need that anyway in order to get the fan base. But yeah, so... I think it's good to go to a festival as an artist, for sure. Yeah, I think, you know, it opens you up to all those people that are casual music fans, especially if you don't have any radio play, right? Like, Oh, yeah. The, the entire list you, you listed off, again, they all had radio play, Matchbox 20 and Wallflowers and all that kind of stuff. They, yep. like, they, they were paid really well to come and go to the festival. And as a beginning musician or as a smaller band, you have to understand that the headliners sell the tickets to the event, right? Like, people don't. Yeah. People don't 
scroll to the bottom of the list and go, oh my gosh, they're there. I'm going to buy, I'm going to pay the ticket. No, it's the top of the ticket right. that, that sells the ticket, which is why when you're at the festival, all that hustling works, man. I mean, be at your merch table and do all that kind of stuff. And, yep. um, you know, you're going to have to give up a little bit on your show. I mean, there's, there's bands that I know that show up and they've got all these tricks and, you know, effects and all that kind of stuff, like you were saying. And sometimes we have to tell them, no, we always try to say yes. I mean, we, Oh, we yeah. want we want the bands to be able to do what they would normally do, but sometimes yeah. you're playing at three o'clock in the afternoon on the main stage, and you're like, oh, "That's true." Can you turn on the house lights? Like, no, no one's going to see them. <laughs> you know, no one's going to see that. No. <laughs> like, well, and the same yeah. thing goes for you. Might be like, I've got this sweet fifty-five minute set, and you go, "Yeah, you got fifteen minutes." Yeah. But you got fifteen minutes on the grandstand before somebody that everybody wants to see. Yep. Yeah, but I got a 55-minute set. No, you have a 15-minute set. That's what you have. <laughs> and you get to play that 55-minute set tomorrow on the side stage. So make sure you yes. tell everybody where you're going to be. Absolutely. While you're getting this one window of time. And, you know, it's it's interesting as a promoter side. You know, there's a lot of bands that will pay. They'll pay to have those moments. They'll pay for that 15-minute yeah. window before the the second to close or before the headliner or whatever. I personally don't like that. I don't I don't tend to book a lot of those 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 acts. Yeah. I would rather put somebody there that I'm using at a different venue versus somebody paying us to be there cuz it generally goes without saying like if I'm not willing to pay you to be here, probably don't want you at the festival. Um Yeah, that's fair. But there are artists that that want those opportunities, and whether it's their label that's putting money behind them or whatever, mm-hmm. there are places where where artists actually pay to get those cool spots so they can then promote their set later. And that's again when when they really make their money when they when they're able to push albums, push. I don't know if anyone sells CDs anymore, but uh, <laughs> when they're able yeah. to push their merch and push their their you know YouTube links or whatever to mm-hmm. get to get you know get their Spotify numbers up. So they can get their four cents per <laughs> yeah, per right. Spotify check or whatever. Uh, music industry changed. I mean, obviously with COVID, oh, yeah. with COVID things have changed massively. But man, in the last five years, the way artists tour and do business has completely gone in its head. There's this thing called yeah. SoundScan that I used to always have to sign when bands would play. Like, oh man, how many CDs did we sell? We sold 300 CDs. You have to sign our SoundScan numbers so we get credit for selling those CDs. I haven't signed a sound scan in like three years because people just don't they don't track their CD sales anymore because it's it's not yeah. a it's not a measurable thing anymore. Yeah, I mean, there's some bands that still hit platinum and gold albums, and I'm like, who's buying your album? Like, who? <laughs> well, yeah, there's got to be a new algorithm to figure out whether someone goes gold or platinum or double platinum. Because I, I mean, I've seen this where people will say, well, actually, this even goes to things like Spider-Man just came out, and Spider-Man beat the record of Titanic in the box office, and I went, what? People aren't going to movies like they were yep. way back in the 90s. So, like, what what just happened? And I think some of it is, like, Disney Plus puts it out, and people can view it at home, and and all of that goes to the, quote-unquote, box office. Right. I, I think it, there is some algorithms with that. I think if you buy the—streaming, the, I don't know if they've, if they've 
monetize that or, yeah. or, or, or quantify those numbers. But I mean, you can go on Apple Music and still buy a song, right? You can go to Google Play and still yeah. buy an album. And I think they get to count those sales. You know, it's not physical yes. CD sales. But yeah, I mean, at some point in time, it's going to be, I got a gold Spotify or whatever. I got a, I got a, you know, right. You know, Matrix Green, you know, Google Play, you know, or award or whatever. In the Christian realm, gold, frankincense, frankincense and myrrh. And myrrh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Our album went myrrh. Anyway. Yes. Uh, <laughs> uh, but, I, uh, I can't help it. I understand it's a little sinful. I love South Park. I yeah, can't help it. it. <laughs> plus one or whatever the band name was. That's right. That's right. Uh, but, oh. but you look at, you look at, you know, artists and how they attend festivals and, and uh, going back to the Liebacker, those guys with the hot dog or the brat eating. Yeah. Thing. I mean, those guys hustled, man. I mean, like I said, they played every day at Broadfest when we used to bring them into Life Fest. They would play you know, twice a day for all three days. I mean, even second Adam, you know, Dr. T's yeah. old band. I mean, I remember you guys play like four sets one day or something, you know, it was yes. I, all I over remember the place. one time at life fest, you know, it, it's a four day festival, you know, and you're like, okay, in four days, what four shows? No, we played nine, Yeah, nine shows <laughs> in four days. And it's like, why? Because we could, Yep. there was one artist that couldn't make it. So because we were willing to do it, we went from a smaller stage to the second main stage so that the person who was playing the second main stage could move over to the grandstand. And it was like, which is the main stage. And I was like, what an opportunity. And I remember after that show, we're standing at our sales table. It says second Adam, big and bright right behind us. And this woman comes up and says, man, you guys were great. And I was like, thanks. She was like, yeah, you know what? Where do I find Leland CDs? It's like we're we're not Leland, we're we're second Adam. We just played the Leland spot. She's like, oh, well, where do I find your CDs? Right here. Yeah. Right here. You can have it. Right here. There you go. Just fork over the cash. Oh, anyway. That's right. Uh, That's all I need. But I think, you know, attendees love that. Again, it goes back to access. Attendees love to access the artists. And you yeah, you don't get that at other concerts. You and artists get that opportunity to be in front of multiple people that they never would have. So it's an interesting marriage of, of attendees and artists. And yeah, I just, I've always loved playing them personally. I know you do too. And, um, Oh yeah. I just, now that I'm in kind of a promoter role, I don't always get to, but there is that one time when you and I got to play with a rock and roll hall of fame legend, uh, you know, that is person. true. Uh, so that is true. And I tell you what, let's tell that story after a word from our sponsors. If you are looking for a way to help support the Tweed Couch and it costs no money to you, then check out our YouTube channel and become a subscriber. Also, you can tell someone about the podcast and share an episode with them. Thank you for listening and thank you for your support. Are you looking for a party with a purpose? If you love music, if you love family friendly, if you love camping, then you should look into LifeFest. LifeFest is one of the largest Christian music festivals in America and draws attendees from across the United States to worship together, deepen their faith, and strengthen relationships with family and friends. This three-day event features dozens of artists, engaging seminars, and much more. This year in 2021, we have two 
festivals. Come join a party with a purpose in Oshkosh, Wisconsin on July 8th through 11th or on the Johnny Cash Hideaway Farm in Bon Agua, Tennessee on July 29th through 31st. I'll see you there. Okay, we're back, and John, I'd like you to tell the story, because Jonathan Kane, which is the keyboard player for Journey, he has a whole, like, Christian artist thing that he started doing, and you know the whole story. I don't even know the whole story. All I know is that I was able to play along because of who I know and who trusted me. That's really what it comes down to, because, <laughs> yes, I had a little bit of the chops to be able to play along, but really, let's be honest, you didn't need me. You just were willing to work with me. So go ahead, <laughs> tell the story, John. How did we get, you and me, get to play with a rock and roll Hall of Famer at a festival, no doubt? Yeah, and it actually started at a different festival. I was, wow. ro- I was road managing for our friend Bob, who was at a different festival in Pennsylvania that Jonathan Kane was performing at. And it was great. And it was, it was kind of cool to know that this rock and roll hall of famer had, you know, just performed. And I didn't actually see him. I, I was still, I was off doing my thing. Yeah. And, and Bob, who is actually the president and the founder of life Fest, the one that I run, Bob got to meet him and was like, Oh my gosh, this is so cool. You're, you're amazing. And they got to chatting and all of a sudden it was like, Hey, you, you could play our festival. It's in a week. This is, you know, Friday afternoon or whatever. There's a week in between the two festivals, a full week in between the two festivals. And then you could come to our festival. And Jonathan was like, yeah, let me check my schedule. And I guess as the story goes, he pulled out his iPhone was like, yeah, I got the date open. Just, you know, let's do it. You know, he wanted to come. And, uh, that's awesome. He likes sharing his story about uh, specifically the song Don't Stop Believing, how it's this rock anthem, and yet there yeah. is his personal faith that's kind of built into the the chorus of the song, clearly. Uh, you know, he wrote it as a secular tune, but but again, it's, it's it, you know, it kind of does share about his faith journey and, and, mm-hmm. his, and, and his dad, and, and there's a whole bunch of the story. Uh, you can find it online. It's a whole thing. But, oh, um, yeah. but he... Uh, says, Bob, yeah, I can do this. That'll be great. And so I come back and Bob's like, we got Jonathan Kane coming to the festival. And I'm like, oh, when? <laughs> he's going to do Thursday night. He's going to take this got- year. <laughs> yeah, he's got. I'm like, you mean in 10 days, 10 days from now? He goes, yeah, well, we'll figure out the details. It's not confirmed yet is what he, you know, it's kind of that like we don't actually know that he's going to be there until we have a contract. I'm like, OK, that great. sounds like Bob. Yep. We're yep. good. So me and him get on a plane. We fly home after he's after his set. I get home and Tuesday afternoon. I walk in and uh, sure enough, we have a contract and it's it's the Tuesday before the festival. So ten days now it's eight days before the show or whatever. You know we're still kind of going back and forth on details and it didn't happen until the Thursday before. So literally a week before the set on that Thursday night. Yeah, I finally get word that oh he doesn't come with a band. He just it's just him. We have to provide the band. We need a drummer. We need a guitar player. We need a keyboard yep. player. We need a bass player. We need, he wanted a couple of guitar players and he wanted a p- couple of people who could sing harmonies. And I'm like, great. Yep. I, I know some people like we can put this together. Got we, people. We can make this happen. He sends over the stems, uh, which is the backing tracks uh, yep. is what they're referred to. It's basically just a, uh, you know, like a multi-track that you can kind of play along with and learn the song, but it also has the click in it and it has the, 
the cues. I mean, uh, you know, obviously yeah. <laughs> when you and I play with Lynn. I remember Lynn, hearing it. Yeah, when you and I play with Lynn, we don't have that. We just kind of wing it. But, you know, I mean, it literally sure. will say like chorus, two, three, four, and then boom, you and I are in the chorus. So, you, you know, yep. you, there goes the there goes the magic curtain, right? Like that's how the real yeah. players do well, it. Well, <laughs> for all songs except Don't Stop Believing. Don't Stop Believing. Uh, there was so no cues. <laughs> There wasn't even a click Nothing track whatsoever. for that tune. He was like, that should be innately in you. Yeah. Like, I'm pretty sure by now, like, if you don't know what this song is, you shouldn't be on stage with me right now. And yeah. You should walk away. If you've never played this before in your basement, you've even just in your basement, you shouldn't be here. Yeah, um, that's right. Anyway, if so, you don't have a basement, you shouldn't yeah. be here. <laughs> so that's the, it. <laughs> so there were there were two tunes that weren't Journey songs. They were Jonathan Cain songs that he wanted to play. Yes. Uh, so we obviously had to learn those. Yep. So it's it's Thursday night and I start calling people, kind of setting up, okay, who who are we gonna be? I had a rehearsal space actually at my church that I attend, uh, gave us the gave yep. us Tuesday night. So two days before the show, I I'm like, all right, I got a bass player, I've got a I've got a guitar player, I've got our stage manager for the venue is an amazing yep. keyboard player. And I was like, yes, he well. is. I was like, Jim will be there. He, he can totally do this. Uh, and I grabbed a lead guitar player and another guy uh, who could, I was playing rhythm guitar and, and would sing the backup vocals really well. And mm-hmm. um, I was, I, I think you and I were talking about this on like Monday or whatever. And you were like, we were, I think I showed up on Monday and you said something like, Hey, we got Jonathan Kane coming. And I'm like, Okay. He said the keyboard player for Journey went, Oh, Jonathan Kane. Yeah. And you were like, Yeah. Yeah, he's gonna play. And I was like, Okay. And I was like, Well, that's sweet. I'm really excited for that. And he said, Yeah, I kind of know the drummer. Yeah. I was like, Oh yeah. <laughs> Who's the drummer? He said, I'm the drummer. And I was like, What? And then you explained the whole story to me and I said, So you need another guitar player then? And I was like, Yeah, dude, let's do it. So I I, I think I <laughs> I shot you the stems or something right away, so you could you could practice in the hotel room and because uh, you yep. were coming to you were coming to work tech for the event. Yeah. So we get together on that Tuesday night, literally two days before the festival. It's you, me, Jim, the other guitar player, our bass player, and uh, you were kind of going through these stems, learning the songs, and you know we got them all down and we ran them a few times. We're like, good, and we're like, so now there's no nothing for don't stop believing. So I think I just set a click and we started playing it and. Obviously, yep. to your point, we had all played it a million times. Yep. Whether in our heads, in our basements, uh, or on our steering wheels of our car. That's we, right. <laughs> we have played this song more times than we wanted to. And so we run it. We feel good. Actually, Jason sang lead on it because he, he could sing our bass yep. player. And we're like, all right, he's going to be Excellent play. bass player, by the way. Yeah. So he's going to fill in the Jonathan Kane part for rehearsal because, of course, Jonathan's not at rehearsal. Right, and so we 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 learn the learn the tunes, feel good about it. We're good to go. Then fast forward to Thursday, we're we're going into the sound check. And if you've never sound checked at a festival, it it can either be super calm and easy, or it can be absolutely chaotic. Yeah. Um. One thing that I learned is when you have a rock and roll hall of famer who likes things a certain way, you just should do it his way. Because yep, absolutely. Because <laughs> we were all set to just kind of do it the way that we would normally do sound checks, and Jonathan's like, nope. This is how I wanted to run, you know, and he kind of did his own thing. And we got the stems dialed up. We all could kind of hear what was going on. Uh, we got it mm-hmm. pretty quick. And this was also supposed to be our rehearsal time because we had never, none of us had ever played with him before. No. And, and uh, he, he's like, all right, well, let's fire up the first tune. And, you know, we hit the tracks and we played the first tune. And he's like, okay, that that felt good. And he goes, let's, can we try it one more time? I said, sure. We fired, backed it up. We started the track again, did it again. Great. 
okay, what's the next song? Great, here it is. I think we played that twice. Yep. And then we were running out of time in our rehearsal because the sound check had gone over a little bit. But keep in mind that the stage manager is the keyboard player. So if we need more time, we got it because he's, he's, yeah, yeah. he's playing keys. You'll uh, back everything up. <laughs> and then Jonathan was like, oh, I didn't like how this went. And he was kind of tweaking his ears a little bit and figuring it out. And then he goes, okay, so the, and then we'll go into Don't Stop Believing." And he starts the iconic riff, right? Like he's at the keyboard and you're like, oh my gosh, rock and roll like, oh gosh, legend is playing Don't Stop Believing. We're and doing get, this. We're doing this now. And I get now's to, the time. And I get to play with him and this is going to be so amazing. And uh, Tyler, the, the lead guitar player is doing the on the, on the oh, intro. And, and he does it great. Excellent. Yeah. And we all hit that ba-ba, singer in a smoky room. You know that part. Yes. And he just stops. He stops playing turns around. I was like, yeah, that's how we'll do it. And he walks off stage. That, that was it. That was it. Yeah, it was anticlimactic. I remember getting done and going, I honestly have never played the full riff with you. <laughs> because, you know, like the guitar actually starts playing after that, yep. not before it. Mm-mm. So I've not played the guitar with this song to you currently yep and now uh, keeping in mind that the key is d so for you as a drummer you're like i play drums i hit <laughs> i hit things with sticks that's what i do meanwhile guitar players are like yeah the key's in d but jonathan can't sing steve perry so jonathan sings in b yeah he wrote the song in b and then he transposed it up for for steve perry yeah Right, and so now we're playing it in B, <laughs> and we're like, hold on, everything I've ever done in my life has been in D for this, and now you want to do it in B? Yeah. It now, doesn't even really match the key as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> now, we had run it a million times you know, on that, yeah. that Tuesday without, without Jonathan, but he literally was like, oh, you guys got the, yeah, you, everyone punched in at the right time, we're feeling good about it, peace yeah, out, I'm, I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the the only thing that he said was we're not going to do the third verse. Yep. That was it because he said it just it just doesn't fit with the whole theme. We're at a Christian festival. This doesn't fit with it. Yeah. And he he So said, we're just not going to do that. I think he said something about and we'll vamp we'll vamp the end or something. Like he just he, he yeah. was this nondescript like He was flippant. Yeah. It really was. We're just we'll vamp the end. Yeah, you guys will be great. And he he's like, I, "See you later." And he, he goes and he walks off stage. Thank Now, this is, listen up. He goes to the monitor engineer, thanks the monitor engineer. I, I remember him going, turning in his yep. pack, thanking the guy, hey man, great job on the ears. We'll see we'll see at eight o'clock or whenever we were on. Yeah. And, and he's like, all right, thanks guys. We'll see, I'll see you later. And he goes and he gets in the van and he, and he goes, he's gone. He's a rock, he's a rock star, right? Like he, he leaves. Yeah. Meanwhile, the band all looks at each other. We're like, we've never done this before. Uh, yeah. So now we've never actually, we still have yet to play this song with Jonathan Cain. The song Which that is everyone's going to know. We're all really excited to play with him. Uh, so I think we powwowed, right? Like we, we got off stage, yeah. we got the changeover going. So the next band could get, mm-hmm. get in. And like, we went over, we like pulled out our iPhones. And we're like, okay, YouTube, Jonathan Cain playing. Don't stop believing yeah. live. Like, how does he end this song? Because I don't know if you've ever, you know, like the song fades out. Like it doesn't, it doesn't have an ending. Like there's no programmed no. ending, no rehearsed ending. 
so we we all jumped on iPhones and found Jonathan Cain playing it at other events and other places. Yeah. And okay, he does it that way. I guess let's be ready for that. So then we kind of all pack up our stuff and we're all kind of hanging out on the side of the stage and um, you know, all right, it's it's you know, no, remember, we're all teching the event. So we all go back, yes. we all go put on our people clothes and go back to doing yep. doing to uh, our event clothes. Our event clothes. Go do and, the event. Yeah. Because yeah, all of us changed into our we're rock star clothes. Yeah. Because we're trying to impress <laughs> the rock star. Yeah. And then we all change into our we're managing an event clothes. Yeah. And we went, okay, so we're playing at this time, so we need to be back here no later than this time dressed. Let's do it. And that's exactly what we did. And I tell you what, you've got excellent recordings of this. Oh, yeah. The, and team, the team rolled everything on it. The videography honest, and all that stuff. Not bad. Yeah. Not bad at all. <laughs> so then we come back and we're playing the set. And, uh, you know, obviously the first two tunes go off without a hitch. We're on tracks, right? Like, I mean, there's a click. There's a track. You can't really yeah. mess it up. You just... Follow I mean, along. I, <laughs> I mean, it's really it's about as close to following the bouncing ball well, as possible. Now, I'll uh, say that, but at the same time, your drumming was excellent. Huh. Like, you know, I get it that you might be like, ah, oh, come on, you're just following along to the click. But a lot of people listening right now have got to be thinking to themselves, like, what do you mean you just follow along? Like, I'm still struggling at trying to get from like G to C. You know, it, it takes it takes some finesse. It takes some musicianship it takes some professionality to uh, do what we do yeah and to that it's like yes we're just following along because we have clicks we have some tracks to help us guide us but at the same time it's not necessarily easy it's just easier to people who have done it a bunch yeah and you know obviously if you've if you've ever read charts before i mean you know if there's any drummers listening to this thing if you've never seen no. charts before, it's its own language, right? It's like tab for guitar players. It doesn't yeah. actually mean anything to other musicians who don't know what tab is. Charts are the same way. I mean, it's like it's like four bars and then like a symbol that means do a fill and then a symbol that means stop here. You know, that type of stuff. Yeah. Um. So I had access to all that. So that's how I learned the tunes, right? But and it, it there was a lot of preparation. But again, to that to that point, it was follow follow the 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 click and 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 just play because at some point in time you know the whole idea is you just you, you know you have to treat the tracks as though they're a live instrument and yet you know you're you're just kind of doing your thing and then yeah so we get done with those two tunes he shares the story about writing don't stop believing and 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 how it impacted his dad and the whole the whole deal and youtube that it'll yep. it'll be great and then he starts to tune it again now the crowd's like cheering right and there, it's it's probably the only Probably the biggest rock star moment that I think either of us have been a part of. Oh yeah, and uh, so we start playing the tune, and and same deal. Like all of a sudden, it's the but you have an issue before that, right? Pause, back up a little bit. Oh, your yes. amp died on the second song. <laughs> the second song, my AC thirty, which is a backline that you own. I own it. Yep. So mm-hmm. All of a sudden, started fizzing out, and it started doing this wave of like sound in, sound out, and I'm like, oh no. Like, first song, things are going fine. Second song, it starts doing it, which actually gave a kind of a fun effect. If you hear, <laughs> like, if you listen really close, you can hear this fade in, fade out. And I go, actually, it gives it some movement. This actually yeah. isn't bad. <laughs> yeah. And then I, you were like, you hit the top of it and unplugged it, turned it on, turned it off again or something. And then. Yep. 
it was like, well, let's see what it does. And of course, as you mentioned, it's this big piano intro, a lot of a lot of lyrics in the beginning, and then there's the which you didn't you didn't do that. That was Tyler. I didn't do that. Nope. And then it's the bah, bah, and you hit those chords. It was just rang out, right? And yeah, when- it was crazy. So to me, the crazy thing was is like I hit, I, I mess with it. I hit the top of it and I go, let's just see what happens. And I swear, in that moment, the amp went. I know what I'm supposed to do. <laughs> I know what I and need to do in order to fulfill this moment. Yeah. And the amp rose to the occasion. And it made that Telecaster sound amazing. Yeah. And since then, it's been retubed, so it's fine. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I figured it was a tube that was messing up. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but, <laughs> but we hit those, you know, we hit those notes and, and you know, Jonathan's oh, playing the good. tune and it felt great. It looked good. It sounded good. We go through the whole song and it's fun. And then he does this breakdown thing and he wants to go talk to the crowd. And we're all like, all right, here, we'll just keep playing. And, um, yeah. you know, it kind of gets through it. And uh, I mean kudos to the whole band because like you know tyler's doing the whole little lead licks underneath and you know it it just it all it all kind of came together like we had been playing his backup band for 30 years you know and right um and like we had been playing together for years (laughs) and years and years which was not the case either well (laughs) sort of some of them i mean yeah me and me and jason the bass player been had been playing together for 20 years jim has been around for a long time you and i had been playing together so not as a unit but but we did have a good core of people that that could kind of read yeah you know where the tune was going and, and that kind of stuff and um you know he gets done with the the song and we all end perfectly all right like we obviously we had used the youtube clip but it was like oh this is how it ends bop, bop, and we're done and um yeah it was it was a great moment and the whole reason for telling this story is you know be available if a festival director wants to call you because he's got a band coming i guess that's the yeah. <laughs> the moral of the story <laughs> is uh yeah. Keep, well, that's true. Keep your guitar that's, in your car. Uh, no, which sorry. which then brings us to this whole idea of as far as an artist, why do you do these festivals? And a big reason is because opportunities are a knocking. Yep. And you will not get it by just booking the gig at the local bar. Yeah. You'll get those opportunities by being around a bunch of other artists. And what that does is it allows for you to network. And networking is an interesting thing when it comes to all of this because you don't know who's watching and you don't know who you're around. Now, keep in mind, that also doesn't mean that you go bombard (laughs) another artist to give them your CD and everything. It means you let it happen naturally. Yep. Because when they like you, you get things. When you force yourself upon them, you get nothing. Yeah. Well, and I think it, you know, it goes back to what you said, you know, second Adam got the opportunity to play the bigger stage because somebody got bumped because somebody didn't make it. And I think, I think of all of those opportunities. I mean, I I can't even count how many times that that has happened, not just at at my festival, but other festivals. I mean, even, you know, the, the, the brought festival, we were supposed to play that together and your plane got canceled or something or fogged in or whatever. And uh, all of a sudden Lynn's like, I need a guitar player. And sure enough, one of the guys from another band was hanging out that she had gotten to know uh, the day before. And he was still there. And he's like, yeah, I should give me the charts. Like, you know, she's sitting over there with, with the guitar before our set, yeah. showing him the, the, the licks. And, you know, it, it obviously didn't go off without a hitch. It was, there was some hiccups, but um, yeah. you know, it, it, it works. And, and 
I think it's it's the two things from a, from an audience standpoint. There's no other opportunity like a festival to gather people together from an attendee standpoint to to experience new music, to build a community, to hang out, to be friends, to to grow. You know, the guy camping next to you or the person that you're in line with with getting a funnel cake or whatever. Um, but from an artist standpoint, it's the same thing. We we call it a fa- we call it our fa- our big family reunion. And it has yeah. nothing to do with the attendees. It has to do with all the bands that get together, people that don't see each other. Because the, the the joke amongst even bar bands is, man, I'd love to come see your show, but I'm always playing the same night you are, right? Like if you're a working, yeah. gigging musician, you don't get to go see your friends play because you're playing you know, in different venues. Festivals allow you that opportunity to see other people and to hang out and to, to your point, network and grow that community. I mean... Uh, you know, you've you've played drums with with a band at a festival because you're yeah. there, and and you're friends with them, and you've gotten to know them over the years, and and yep. you get to play guitar with rock and roll hall of famers because you're there, and people know your talent level and people know your ability, and not only that, it's it's your accessibility and and work ethic and all of those things play into yeah. um, people Easy who call you, with. yeah, you know. Yeah. It it's really is all of those things that go together. And I think that's one of the big things about creating some sort of a um, a festival family, but also just this air of who you are and what you do as an artist, where people just go, yeah, let's give it a shot. And yeah. if it works well, great. And if it doesn't, you know what? You weren't a problem. They had <laughs> to get somebody. Yeah. So it works out just fine. And actually with the band you're talking about, which was Swin and Dean, I played drums. I've played guitar. I've played bass with them and tambourine (laughs) spoons, accordion bagpipes, Uh, ukulele. No, (laughs) yeah. The jaw harp, but (laughs) all of those things are just random things that because I'm accessible because of that, you get that chance because I've done lots of different festivals with different people and I happen to know that family. And the yep. same thing goes for you. So I guess that probably brings us to final thoughts on this therapy session, this oh. group therapy session about festivals and why you should go and what to expect. And obviously there's all these great things to say. Sure, there are negatives. Sure, you have to deal with traffic and parking and where are you going to stay and all that kind of stuff. But ultimately, I feel that whether you're the concert goer or whether you're the the festival player, the artist, ultimately, I believe that in the end, the benefits definitely outweigh the cons. And it is always a great idea to go to the festival. Yeah, I, I would uh, I would agree completely with that. I mean, you know, the weather's the other big negative that you can run into. You know, is it going to be too hot? Yeah, but it rained for most of Woodstock. Yeah, <laughs> and it was a great time. Uh, and we've been talking about that since '69. Exactly. So. <laughs> um, you know, because weather, you know, weather can obviously deter people from wanting to go to go to these things. But it, those weather also makes some of the greatest moments. Yes, we got obviously in Tennessee in 2021 there. 
the band Skillet was playing, and there was this lightning yep. thunderstorm kind of creeping in on us during Monster. And all of, of a all sudden, <laughs> you know, the wind hit a little early, and it was kind of. I don't want to say it was scary, but it was, you know, it got a little little nervous. You know, you got a band out there on stage and there's the rain's kind of coming in. It was in probably and, rougher for the stage crew because yeah. we were all like ominously waiting for something to go wrong to go fix. Yep. And, uh, you know, the band the band finished up and it, they, we got off stage before, before the lightning got there, which that's really the dangerous part. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, people are going to think about that and remember how cool that was when that storm was kind of bearing down on them and it was great. Yeah. Um, I think back to, you know, uh, Toby Mac did a show in the rain one time and it was just coming in sideways, but it was really cool too, but there was no lightning and it wasn't really crazy wind. So it was still safe to keep going. And he just kept playing. And I mean, everybody's drenched and, and you're just soaking wet. And as a crew guy, you're like, man, you're just hating life at that moment. But the yeah. attendees will talk about it for, ever yeah and i mean i've got i've got 50 more of those for king and country played in the rain one time that was funny when their, yes. when their confetti cannons went off and it just kind of blopped out just <laughs> <laughs> uh, look like oatmeal coming out of the end of a cannon but uh yeah <laughs> it's those moments that that just solidify whatever rock stardom people hope to achieve when you get to do that whether it's a big band or a small band festivals allow for those yeah. really cool moments that arena tours just don't and and bar gigs just just don't you know um yeah even down to county fairs man i mean there's there's so many cool county fair moments where you meet acts that maybe are on the way down in their career and and you get to see the guy that you loved when you were there and now they're playing fairs and, and it's not as cool as it was when they had tour buses and arenas but you know you still get to meet you know, meet your, your childhood heroes in these bands that all the bands that you wow. talked about in 97 that are now playing, you know, casino shows. <laughs> uh, yeah. You know, well, whatever. Charlie Daniels was part of oh, Rockfest. Yeah, Charlie was there. That was amazing. Yeah. One of the you greatest shows ever. All I can see from this is that we need to talk festivals again. Yeah. Sometime very, yeah. very oh, soon. And so we'll, we'll figure something out. And we will definitely talk because we could probably even talk about when festivals go wrong. (laughs) And and there will be lots of good stories that go with that, too. Yeah. So all in all, man, this was a good conversation. This was wonderful. I had a great time. I hope you did, too. It was it was amazing. Uh, Thanks for uh, letting me have a seat on the couch and uh, we'll be uh, we'll be in touch soon. You kidding me? This is my pleasure. All right. Hey, happy new year. Happy 2022. Yeah. And until next time for our group therapy. Awesome. Well, that concludes our time of the Tweed Couch Guitar Therapy session. If you like what you heard, leave five stars in a review. Also, don't forget to check us out on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at The Tweed Couch. Until next time. 